Welcome to the Baseball America College Podcast. Today's Baseball America Podcast is sponsored by SeatGeek. Baseball America Podcast listeners get a $20 rebate off their first SeatGeek purchase. Download the free SeatGeek app and enter promo code BA20 today. Now it's time to talk baseball. All right, welcome to another edition of the Baseball America College Podcast. I'm Teddy Cahill. Here with me today is uh, Jim Schonard and Mike Lanana, and we're going to talk about uh, the latest edition of the, the Baseball America Top 25, powered by Louisville Slugger, and all of the action from uh, an exciting weekend in college baseball. Guys, this weekend there was the, the big series between Texas A&M and Florida it was number one versus number two down in Gainesville. And Florida comes out on top. They sweep AM, who went into the weekend as the number one team. Florida had been the, the number one all season, uh, you know, dating back to, to preseason even, but uh, they had lost to Kentucky a week before, and, and Texas AM moved up to number one. But after this weekend, I mean, it, it Florida really made a statement. I mean, what, what do you guys think about the Gators now, now that we're We've seen them play a team like Texas A&M and handle them as as well as they did. I think it just showed how complete Florida is. I mean, that was a pretty just. I mean, they manhandled A&M's pitching. I mean, A&M A&M's had a very good staff, and they just beat up on all three of their starters. And really, those first two games were. I mean, A&M kind of made them a little bit interesting, but they were really in, in control from the start. And I mean, we'll have to see what happens with this AJ Puck uh, little back thing he's got flaring up but other than that I mean it's it's hard to be uh you know pretty much everything else you know is all good for the Gators yeah there was uh AJ Puck on uh Sunday left after just 11 pitches and when I talked to Kevin O'Sullivan after the game he he said that it was more of like a back spasm or or just tightness in, in Puck's back and um they're just being pretty cautious with him getting him out of there and you know they they think he'll probably be good to go uh, next weekend, but you know we'll know more as as the week goes on. But obviously it, it, that's a big potentially big development for the draft and and for the Gators if something is actually wrong with Puck. But it, it does sound like he's okay um, for the most part. You know, Mike the I mean the Gators you know it, it, they did it really offensively this weekend. You know, twenty four runs um, and and that's a good A and M pitching staff there, but. You know, Peter Alonzo went off for the Gators, and it, it was all the way through the lineup. Eight different guys had multi-hit games throughout the weekend, and, I mean, it it, it just shows the depth that, that the Gators have offensively. Right. You know, last week we dropped them to number two, you know, just because we kind of had to with our, our pole mechanics and with them losing a series to Kentucky, but I think we were all kind of in agreement that we still thought they are the most talented team in the country, and I think they showed that this weekend against Texas A&M, and I thought, you know, in your off-the-bat piece this morning, you have a quote from Alonzo talking about just how they, they felt that they were the number one team regardless, and you know, I like that. I like that swagger that they have. I like that confidence, and, and they should have it because you look at the talent on their roster, you look at how deep the lineup is, it, it's good to see them, you know, doing that against a, a difficult Texas A&M pitching staff. And, uh, you know, even if, you know, obviously it sounds like Puck's injury isn't major, but even if he did go down for a little bit of time, they have the depth on the pitching staff to, to survive it. You know, so it's a it's a scary club, and you know this was a big statement. And hey, you know this weekend coming up, we have another another team they're facing in Mississippi State that's also red hot. So that's going to be an exciting series to watch too. No doubt. I when I talked to Alonzo last night, yeah, he said that um, you know they, they the Gators felt like they were the number one team in the country, and they they wanted to prove it to everyone that um, you know that they were the number one team regardless of what had happened the week before, and and that was what they did 
Sully was a little less uh, he he was a little more reserved about what that that weekend meant. That you know it's it's still early in the season and a coach is supposed to take the broad view. And in the SEC, you know we're only three weekends into this, and and like Mike said, they've got Mississippi State coming in next weekend, and, and you know, so they they really don't have any time to to enjoy this one. They've got to just get ready to move on. They play Tuesday against Jacksonville, and then Mississippi State comes in on the weekend. So Florida. You know, like any other team in the SEC, has no breaks here. They, you know, you roll in from playing number one to, to playing number five now, and uh, that that's just the way the SEC is uh, this season. But what about for A and M now? They that was the first series loss. That was really their their biggest. Obviously, it was their biggest test of the season. Um, you know, they started off SEC play with uh, series wins against Auburn and LSU, but. Florida is a completely different animal, and, and so you don't want to overreact to what happened this weekend because a lot of what, what we saw from A and M uh, was a result of just how good Florida is, I think. But you know what A and M now has to regroup. Um, you know their pitching, their starting pitching was not particularly good. I've already seen some rumblings that the Childress might be uh, shaking up the rotation there. Uh, you know what? What do you th- does? Did we learn anything about A and M? Are there any concerns that that had already, you know, maybe, you know, kind of poked up a little bit that that were exposed more this weekend by Florida? I mean, you like that they showed a little fight, and especially in the Sunday game. I mean, they kind of let their lead slip away there. But I mean, we do. They do have to get the starting pitching in order. I mean, they, this is two, twice in three weeks they've been hit pretty hard. Auburn. I mean, in Auburn's Florida's one thing that they also got knocked around by Auburn a couple weeks ago. So that's a little, a little worrisome, I guess, if you want to go that far. I mean, they get so they get Georgia at home this weekend. I mean, that's not an easy series, but relative to what they've been doing, it's a series you got to win. Realistically, I mean, Georgia did also just jump up and beat Alabama, but because I mean, A and M goes to uh, Starkville in two weeks, and then they have to go to uh, Arkansas, and they go to. I mean, all their road series are tough. They don't have any any breaks there, so it's they got to get. You know, got to get that in order. I think that's kind of the main thing to watch for them, for me. Yeah, I definitely agree there. It's, the, the starting pitching is a little bit of a concern. I, I was more concerned by that Auburn series uh, than, than I was the Florida series just because we know what Florida can do offensively. So, you know, we'll see if they do shake things up there. It, it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, there's talent there in that rotation, but, you know, I, it's not the, the strongest group in the SEC necessarily from a pure stuff standpoint. Yeah, it is interesting now in, in um, three weekends in the SEC, they've given up 27 runs to Auburn and 24 um, to Florida. And both those series were on the road. They did better at home against LSU. Uh, but it is a thing that they're going to have to figure out. Georgia put up a, a bunch of runs on Alabama this weekend, and Alabama really knows how to pitch. I mean, in, in the SEC, there are a lot of powerful offenses. And one of the strengths of AM's team is the pitching staff, but you know they're going to have to they're going to have to get more out of their starters. All three of them were knocked out pretty early on this weekend, and um, AM was was forced to play from behind a lot. They never they never led on Friday night. Uh, on Saturday, they only led very briefly. They scored two runs in the top of the first, and then they gave up three in the bottom bottom half of that inning, and they didn't lead again the rest of the day. And they did have some leads on Sunday that that they weren't able to hold, but. Those first two days, it was really just playing from behind, and that's not a position you want to be when you're when you're playing Florida. Um, the the other big thing coming out of this weekend, I guess, w- with Florida was um, 
you know, they set a program record. Uh, they've now won 27 in a row at home. That's 20 this season and seven from last season. And Florida is just a really tough to tough place to play right now. Um, and Mississippi State is going to be walking into that. And, and so that it's not easy to go to Gainesville. And, you know, that's a big part of Florida's success this year. They, they have won on the road. They beat Miami on the road. Uh, but when you have to go to Gainesville, like teams are going to have to do in the postseason, you have to, you have to deal with that, that environment. And, uh, I mean, that kind of advantage is, is huge when you, when you look down the road a little bit. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Florida's, I feel like they've been pretty, I mean, they've been dominant everywhere, but at home, I mean, still undefeated, this far into the season and still be undefeated. I mean, that's considering who they've played. I mean, just A&M, you know, they had Florida State come in there. They've had some other, you know, good teams, obviously in the SEC, and that's, I mean, they're going to they're gonna be tough to knock out at home. Anybody can have a bad weekend, but it's, I mean, there's, it's going to be a tall order for anyone going in there. Well, the SEC is, uh, is, is loaded, and, and there's more to talk about, but first we want to get you uh, a word from our sponsors here with, uh, with SeatGeek. Have you ever been frustrated trying to buy tickets online? Most sites make it complicated and then try to sneak in huge fees at checkout. That's why you need SeatGeek. They've made it easier than ever to buy and sell sports and concert tickets, and I know a lot of you baseball fans out there are going to be looking for, for tickets uh, you know, as we, as we head into the season here, opening day over the weekend. Uh, continues because MLB has, uh, has strange opening days where they continue over multiple days. But uh, you can go on to SeatGeek, and uh, you know, they'll, they'll pull all the tickets available for any of those games. You know, Yankee Stadium snowed out today, but you know, try them again tomorrow when, uh, when they play or uh, you know, any, of the other, any of the other sites around the country. That SeatGeek will uh, you know, save you time, and, and you'll never miss a deal. You can even set alerts for upcoming games, and SeatGeek will let you know when – uh, when and if t- uh, ticket prices fall. And for our listeners here on the Baseball America podcast, uh, you can get a $20 off rebate off your first SeatGeek purchase. To get the $20 rebate on tickets, you have to download the free SeatGeek app. You go to the settings tab, you click add a promo code, enter the promo code BA20, that's BA20, and SeatGeek will send you $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase. So download the C- free SeatGeek app, Enter the promo code BA20, buy your tickets, whether we're talking about, um, you know, MLB opening day or, you know, anything else, NBA, NHL, uh, you know, it's all there. So you download the app, you enter the promo code, and you get $20 off your, uh, off your first ticket price. Um, you know, so SeatGeek, uh, looking out for you there with, uh, with all of your online ticket purchases. All right, so, um, you know, like, like I said, there, there's plenty more to talk uh, here in the SEC, and we've got we've got South Carolina uh, losing a series at Vanderbilt this last weekend. We have Mississippi State, who we mentioned have to go to has to go to Florida now. They they beat their rivals uh, Mississippi uh, in Starkville. I mean, what what stood out in, in the SEC? I mean, we, we also have Missouri and, and Georgia upsetting Arkansas and, and Georgia, or Arkansas and, and, and Alabama. I mean, what what, what stood out for you guys uh, elsewhere in the SEC? Uh, for me, it's Mississippi State. I mean, they've they want to get back to back complete games to win the first two games of that series. Uh, they kind of they kind of let us slip away on the uh, the Sunday or the finale. I mean, they were, tried they, uh, their starter got knocked out early and they weren't able to come back. But still, to just keep that momentum up that they've got building, and they kind of had a little slow start when they you know they lost those two games to FAU um, an opening weekend. But it's they've been pretty much a steamrolling since then. 
And, uh, I mean, that's, I mean, talk about tough places to play. Starkville, that's as good of an environment as there is. I saw they, you know, so they had huge crowds all three games there. And that's another team that, you know, assuming they, if they can hold this up and get to be a, a host, and, I mean, right now I've got them, as, had them as a national seed, assuming as a, you know, third one out of the SEC. I mean, that's another place that is going to be just really tough to go win in the, uh, the postseason. Yeah, I mean, uh, they are, I mean, when you think about tough environments, Starkville is definitely one that comes to mind. And um, these stats don't include Sunday's game, but through Saturday, in in the last 16 home games uh, for Mississippi State starting pitchers, uh, they were 11-0 with an 054 ERA. Um, And that speaks both to the, the quality of their starting pitchers there and, you know, how tough Starkville can be. Uh, so, I mean, it, it's big for Florida that they don't have to go to Starkville, that they get to stay in Gainesville this weekend. Um, and, but it is, it's going to be tough, and that's, uh, that's part of the reason why I moved uh, Mississippi State into my aid for Omaha this week. I mean, they're playing incredibly well, and they're just going to be an incredibly tough out in the postseason, even if they did have to go on the road. I mean, when you throw Dakota Hudson on, in the first game of a, a series, whether it's super regionals or regionals, um, you know you, you, the Bulldogs are giving themselves a, a great chance every 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 weekend, really, no matter who they're facing. Uh, Mike, what about you? Uh, what would you like in the SEC? Well, I mean, Mississippi State really stood out to me too. You know, just just the fact that they've been such on such a roll lately. You know, and winning those first two games, and not only that, but, you know, the pitching performances of Austin Sexton and, and Dakota Hunsett, I mean, back-to-back complete games, I mean, that's not something you, you see a lot. You take that out of your Friday and Saturday starters, but well, obviously we've touched on them quite a bit. You know, for, for me, I look at, at that South Carolina Vanderbilt series, you know, even though Vanderbilt won it, you look at the SEC standings right now, and South Carolina and Florida are tied at 7-2, and two, and, you know, I don't think that's something... You know, I think we all expected Florida to be there, but before the season, I don't know if we expected South Carolina to be there uh, per se. So, you know, that's been that's been impressive to me just just, just to see that the season that they continue to have, even though they did drop that series to Vanderbilt. You know, Braden Webb this weekend on Saturday in the one game that they did win, eight innings, eleven strikeouts, two hits. You know, he's starting to open some eyes. You know, the rare draft eligible freshman, and. Uh, you know, but obviously you got to tip your cap to Vanderbilt winning that home series against a tough South Carolina team, and you know they're starting to figure things out on on the pitching side of things. Um, you know that that rotation is probably going to be in flux throughout the year as they get arms healthier. But you know that you know just South Carolina, just seeing the standings and just seeing them at seven and two type of Florida is something that that jumped out to me. I think that was huge for Vanderbilt to to win that series. They lost on opening weekend um, to Mississippi State at home, and then they went and they beat Missouri last week. But you know, South Carolina came into Nashville six and zero in the SEC. They swept Arkansas. They they went to Oxford and they swept Mississippi. Uh, so they they were really rolling going in. Um, they had lost uh, to College of Charleston in midweek to to snap their their winning streak, but. You know, that, that was a team that, that had a lot going for it going into Nashville, and uh, Vanderbilt really showed you know, what it's capable of. And we knew what it had been capable of, but capable of all year, uh, but to that point, they, hadn't really, they didn't really have a standout series win. Missouri was a really nice win. They've had some good wins in, in non-conference. They went out to Stanford and, and won, won a series on the West Coast, but uh, to, to beat South Carolina was, was big for them, and 
you know, it was big for the standings too. Like you mentioned, South Carolina is now tied with uh, with Florida there at the top, and Vanderbilt's you know fighting with those two teams in, in the division there. So uh, for for the Commodores to to get that win and to get moving in the right direction or continue moving in the right direction is uh, was significant. And I I thought on Friday night Georgia got a huge start from Robert Tyler. He almost throws a no hitter. He takes it. He's one out away when Alabama sends pinch hitter George Salem to the plate, and he takes Robert Tyler deep. Um, Georgia still won the game quite easily. It was 7-1. to one. Um, And then they come back on Sunday and finish off a, a big series win for the Bulldogs. They lost their first two, and they're coming up now on this incredibly tough month. I, I don't know who in the SEC scheduling office is mad at Georgia, but I mean, what, what the Bulldogs have the next month is is really I mean it, it might be the hardest month in the in the country on the weekends they play four straight top 10 teams three of them on the road they start this week at A&M then they go back to Athens and get South Carolina then they go to Gainesville and then they go to Nashville so if Georgia can somehow survive this next month uh it would be pretty impressive uh, so, you know, to get a series win going into that, I, I think, was was pretty significant for them. Not to mention they have midweeks against Georgia Tech and Clemson, which aren't going to be easy either. No, I mean, those are those are tough, and, and those are tough ACC opponents, and they're rivals. I mean, it's, uh, it's really, I, I don't know, I don't know how Georgia, it, seeing how Georgia responds to this is, is going to be one of the most fascinating storylines throughout April for me. Elsewhere around the country, um, well, I guess, you know, Florida moves up to number one now. Texas A&M slides to three. In between, we've got Miami. And Miami, you guys, is, I mean, they're a freight train right now. They've won three straight series against top 25 opponents. This week it was North Carolina uh, that they swept. Last week it was Clemson. The week before, they, they beat Louisville two out of three. And it has all been in Miami. But, I mean, those teams are good. And Miami's looked really impressive doing it. Exactly. I mean, we know how good you know Carolina's pitching staff has been, especially with you know Gallon and Bukowskis at the top, and they pretty well handled both of those guys. And really, Thomas Woodry had a good start on Friday, so that's you know a big thing for Miami to get him going. And I mean, yeah, I mean, kind of like you like you pointed out. I mean, can you take take for you know granted all three of this all three of these wins have been at home these series, but uh, I mean that's that's another team that is you know Miami's very good at home. They play at home in the postseason a lot, and they're definitely on track to get there again. And it's. I mean, it's. They're pretty much, and they've already. We've already like you said they already beat Louisville, so they're pretty well in the uh, the catbird seat to get the uh, you know be the ACC regular season title, you know be, you know, be the top seed in the tournament, and that's if they're like so they're on fire. Yeah, for me, I mean, I don't. I don't think there's been a team as impressive the last three weekends as this Miami team. Just what they've done: Louisville, Clemson, North Carolina, back to back sweeps. You know, it was really good, as Jim said, to see Thomas Woodry pitch well on Friday because he struggled early on this year for them. If they can get him going, that's huge for them, you know, winning on those Friday nights. And then, you know, Michael Mediavila has been a, a big addition to that, that weekend rotation. He's stabilized things for them on Saturday. He's been a guy who's pitched mostly out of the bullpen for them in his career. So I, I think he's done a great job of stabilizing things. I mean, they're throwing three lefties out there, which is an uncommon thing uh, in college baseball. And, uh, you know, obviously they continued to hit 
and uh, you know Carl Chester has been great for them at the top of the lineup. Zach Collins is you know batting over 400, slugging close to 700 this year. You know a lot of a lot of power in that lineup, and you know when they get the pitching together, it's a it's a scary team. It's a scary team, and they do have a uh, we've talked about this a little bit before, but they do have a favorable schedule for the most part. I mean most of their tough ACC series are going to be coming at home, so you know watch out for Miami. Yeah, Woodery going good meant that we didn't have walk-off Willie on Friday night for the third straight time. But, I mean, that was I, – I think Miami is probably happy that they didn't need walk-off Willie, that, that they got Woodery at, at something close to his best. I mean, he was, he was very good. That probably wasn't his best. But he was, he was very good on Friday night. Now, Carolina has now lost back-to-back series after not losing at all in the first, uh, first month of the season. Uh, and they've only scored 21 runs in the last two weekends against Georgia Tech and Miami. Uh, Mike, you talked to Mike Fox uh, earlier or last week now. Um, is this a more serious offensive concern? Is this just a matter of Georgia Tech and Miami pitching well? Like, where where does Carolina's lineup go from here? Yeah, you know, I think it's starting to get a little serious now that it's been back-to-back weekends. You know, when it was when it was just Georgia Tech, you could say, okay, it was just a bad weekend. But, you know, we had concerns about this offense coming into the year, which is why they started off unranked in, in our top 25. Is really just a lot of changing pieces in that lineup, a lot of new players. And, you know, so far they, they had been up to the task. And it really you point to Brian Miller and Adam Pate at the top of the lineup as, as guys that have sort of driven that engine. But... You know, those guys have been struggling lately. They haven't been the, the, the same players, and, you know, they had a tough task. Brian Miller, a left-handed hitter, going against three lefties. I mean, that's 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 a tough thing to do. And, you know, I'm looking at the, the box scores now, and, you know, really Mike Fox is talking about how important it was that those guys get going. And, you know, really other than a three-hit day for, for Miller on Sunday, those guys were fairly quiet this weekend. So, you know, I, I, think, I think they need to figure out things at the top of the lineup. You know, Tyler Ramirez is by far the, the, the best hitter and most polished hitter in that lineup, but they need the, the pieces around him to, to continue to, to produce. So I think, I think offensive struggles, I think that their offense is going to be inconsistent throughout the year, just the nature of what they have, just a lot of youth. And, um, you know, I, I think they're starting three or four freshmen in the, in the lineup. So um, their pitching, Gallon and Bukowskis, has been what's carried them, I, I feel like, throughout most of this year. And, you know, when, with Gallon and Bukowski struggling, struggling this weekend, you know, you're not going to win a series. You're not going to outslug Miami, you know, in Coral Gables. Yeah, I mean, that's back-to-back iffy starts for, for Zach Gallon. He had been so good out of the gate this year, and then uh, he was not that great against Georgia Tech, and Miami gets to him a little bit, and uh, Carolina really needs him going on Friday night, especially if this offense isn't going to – to be able to provide a ton of run support for them. You know, they need him at, and, and Bukowskis to, to really carry them. Jim, we've got, we've got Miami and Louisville and Florida State and the Carolina kind of separating from the rest of the pack. Carolina maybe falling back into the pack in, in the ACC a little bit here. But after those four, it's a little muddled. I mean, we got Clemson this week, and it mm. comes back to the rankings. Georgia Tech comes out Virginia comes out after losing to NC State NC State themselves is kind of on the cusp of the rankings what do you make of the the middle of the ACC oh it's complicated (laughs) there's no no easy answers there like you said we've kind of things are kind of there's a little bit of a picture taking shape like you say with Louisville and uh, Miami at the top and 
kind of the clear top two. Well, let's say clear, but you know they're the top two. Then FSU, and then maybe Carolina. Although Carolina's kind of slipping back to the rest of that pack. I mean, then these other teams, you know, Clemson, NC State, uh, Virginia now, Georgia Tech. Those teams are all kind of fungible at this point. Maybe Notre Dame's kind of playing their way up into that group a little bit. Um, but yeah, I mean that's so we're kind of we'll see how those teams kind of. If one of those teams can emerge to be a like a you know the fourth host out of the out of the conference, I mean North Carolina's kind of still got the the inside track on that right now just because of what they've done in the early portion. But if, certainly if the way they're going, I mean it could open up to one of these other teams. I mean Georgia Tech had, a, had them as a host last week. Uh, obviously, it won't be this week. And I can't lose the home series to Duke if you want to do that. But um, I mean all these teams kind of have things you can pick at. They've all done some good things. Um, you know we talked about Clemson beat South Carolina in a series, which is that's still a pretty big deal, um, very big deal. Although the rest of the resume is not doesn't really blow you away, but that's that's something they can peg to. Uh, NC State winning at Virginia is a, you know so that's a good series win. Um, you know Georgia Tech won at North Carolina, so all these teams have shown they can beat good teams. Virginia is kind of the one you you know we've talked uh, you know a few times over the course of the uh, season. We're kind of there's some things to to worry about with them and that pitching. I mean. You know, I mean, Connor Jones even struggled this weekend, which he's been the constant. Um, they did get a good outing from Adam Hazley on Saturday, which is you know, a good, uh, you know, good for them. They'll need to, need that to keep up. But you know, the Cavs, we know that you know last year they struggled and they figured it out. And we know that coaching staff is as good as there is, but it's it's a little worrisome. And we talked about last week how they're struggling to win on Sundays. And you know, Tommy Doyle was okay yesterday, but they still lost, and that's something they've got to. Got to figure out. You can tell. You know, I listened to Brian O'Connor's post-game comments for a little bit yesterday, and he could. You know, there was no panic, but you could tell there was, there was some frustration at their uh, their inability to win on Sundays. Yeah, they're not going to panic there. I mean, that staff is way too experienced for panic. But it is getting to be time where you have to get going. Um, you know, we're we're ha- about halfway through the season now, and they moved Hazley into the rotation with good results. And if Connor Jones had pitched the way he had been pitching, they they probably win that series. But he didn't, and Connor Jones is going to have some some tough starts. You're allowed to. That, Everyone's that, going that, to at some point. That happens, yeah. Um, so they need. And to, they are the one team in this group that hasn't really had a you know, high quality series win. Right. To be honest, which is why they fell out this week. It, you know, they have had three losing weekends, but it's really you know if they if they had had um, you know a. a big statement win they, they might have been able to hang on or you know if they'd be in Louisville last weekend um, they would only have two series losses and they'd still be ranked but um, you know they've got a you know their their resume uh, has a little bit of work to do if they if they want to host and um, you know just in general they, they um, they're, they're a team that that needs to to kick it into a little bit more a uh, little higher gear Clemson um, you know, moves back in at number 21 this week. Uh, they dropped after uh, getting swept at Miami. And they're interesting in that they've played really well at home this year and have not had to go on the road much. They got swept at, at Miami. Um, they won a series at Wake Forest. And, I mean, that's pretty much the extent of their road uh, resume on the weekends. They play South Carolina one game in Columbia and then one neutral and one one at home. And they won the neutral and they won the home and they lost in Columbia. So it's going to be interesting to see how uh, how Clemson uh, plays on the road, but they don't have to do it a ton. They go to Duke this weekend. That's a series you should be winning if you're 
if you're Clemson, if you're trying to, to build a build momentum and build a case. And then they go to Louisville, but then they get Georgia Tech, they get Florida State, they get NC State, they get them all at home. And then they go to Notre Dame at the at the end of the year. I mean, it seems like Clemson is is setting themselves up pretty pretty nicely here. Maybe if uh, if Virginia can't figure it out, uh, maybe maybe Clemson's the one that that figures it out. I mean, what, who do you think, Mike? Yeah, I I still have some some, some concerns over Clemson's starting rotation. Um, you know, they had been pitching well, but you look at this weekend and really all three guys struggled against Pittsburgh, which isn't the the most potent offense in the country or in the ACC. So, I don't know. You know, I I do like what I've seen out of the Clemson offense. Seth Beer has been, we've talked about him in the past, but he's been a revelation and, you know, just a a tremendous addition as a a freshman this year. And, you know, they they do have, Chase Pinder has been excellent for them and some veteran guys there. But, you know, it's really tough to, uh, you know, compare them with, with Virginia just because, you know, I, I, I tend to lean toward Virginia because because of Connor Jones on Fridays, because Adam Hazley is there. I, I think those two are going to win or at least put their team in a, a better position to win on Fridays and Saturdays than than Clay Schmidt and, and uh, um, Alex Eubanks and Charlie Barnes, you know, for Clemson. Um, so that's kind of the separator for me. But, you know, I don't know. We'll see going forward. The middle of this ACC is just very, very tough to, to predict. Yeah, if you've uh, been listening or reading uh, all season, you know that I have long been a believer that Virginia would get things straightened out, that they have the talent and that the coaching staff would, would get those young guys playing well. And all along, a big part of that was Jones and Hazley on Friday and Saturday. And we didn't get Hazley on Saturday uh, for the first half of the season because he was a little slow uh, out of the gate uh, in terms of being ready to, to pitch as two-way player he was fine to hit but pitching uh he was a little slower so they left him on midweeks for a while uh and now that jones and hazley are together i feel good but we've also seen other struggles um i mean i'm not throwing in the towel on virginia by any means but this middle of the acc is is tough to figure out not as tough as the big 12 uh the big 12 confusing again this weekend uh, we had Oklahoma State, the preseason favorites, going to West Virginia and losing a series. We had Texas, which beat TCU last weekend, going to Oklahoma and losing a series. TCU this weekend was out of out of league play, playing Wichita State, which they swept. And I think we still feel like that's the best team in the conference. But what is going on behind them, Jim? Oh, yeah. Oh, that's the that's the, that's that's another one. Of those no easy answers. I mean, kind of like I said, we've I still feel like at the top you got TCU and Oklahoma State. I think those are the two teams we've had up there since the beginning. I think those are the two best teams. Texas Tech is in first place right now. They're eight and one. Um, obviously, they played an extra one more series than everyone else. Uh, but I mean, and Texas Tech is good. I mean, they've still got some guys left over from that Omaha team: Ryan Mosley, Eric Gutierrez. So they've got some you know some guys you can rely on, um, but. I mean, I think TCU and Oklahoma State are still the uh, the teams to beat. Obviously. But then you've got that kind of leads you into West Virginia, who just took two out of three from the Cowboys, and that's in West Virginia. That's been a you know building program there under Randy Mazey. I obviously talked to him a few weeks ago. Did that uh, you know building a case story on the on the, wet, the uh, Mountaineers, and I mean they're not a team that blows you away with their with talent. I mean their starters are all you know all pretty interchangeable. They're all just kind of good college arms, and they're one that really wows you but 
they've found a way to win. They've been good at home. I mean, they won. You know, they so they went out and got swept by Fort in, uh, in Fort Worth against TCU. But that's just going to happen to people. I think I remember when you know when I talked to Randy Mazey about that. It was before that series, and he's like, "You're just kind of like like his attitude. They're just kind of glad to get that series out of the way, whatever happened." Um, so, but now they they went and took care of Kansas, and now they come home and beat uh, beat the Cowboys, and that's a so they, you know they've got their marquee series win now against uh, against Oklahoma State, and they had a good series win against Old Dominion, which is a good team. So, I mean, West Virginia, they're still a little. They're only fourteen and eleven overall, so they need to. They need you know they they don't have much room for error but I think they're 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 on a pretty good track to get to regionals which has not been done in about twenty twenty odd years there but then after that so you got those four that's probably where it ends for the I don't think the Big Twelve is not getting more than four which actually would be an improvement from last year but I think that's that's pretty much where that that see that conference is a at large hopes end since we've given Oklahoma's struggles although they did uh, beat Texas this weekend. Yeah, that was a that was a nice win for Oklahoma, and um, it comes on the weekend they drop Alec Hansen from the rotation, uh, so he's gone from potential first overall pick to out of Oklahoma's rotation in the span of two months. Um, and I I thought Texas coming off of that TCU win was uh, was playing a little better, but then they they lose on Sunday to TCU, and then they lose a midweek to Lamar, and then they go up to Norman and. Uh, they they lose a series. It's twelve uh, and sixteen overall. Yeah, I mean, there's. Ten. I mean, it's a super tough schedule they played, but still, twelve yeah, and sixteen is twelve and sixteen. You've got to you've got to win some of these games at some point, and they haven't been doing that. And uh, I, you know, it, it felt like maybe you know beating TCU was was going to be what what turned it around, what, what got those got those guys going. But you know, apparently, uh, there's still work to be done there, and uh, you know, Augie. Augie and his staff are good, and they've got good talent there. But you know something something's got to something's missing right now, and I don't know what it is. But they've got to they're going to have to work to to make up some of this ground. And you know, I don't know if it's possible for them not to be in the same position they were in last year at this point, where yeah, where it's just heading that way. You know, that, they went into the tournament last year having to win the Big Twelve tournament right. to get in, and that's the only way. And that's yeah, it's the big like it's not like I said the Big Twelve. We got those four teams, and then everyone else is just. You have to win the tournament. The Pac-12 is another uh, another conference that has no tournaments. That's so. having <laughs> having some struggles. They do have no tournaments. So, uh, uh, you know, Utah right now uh, tied for first with give Cal. them the auto bid in the yeah. uh, next, next next one I did next bracket I do. Utah currently under five hundred overall, um, ten and fourteen. But they have, they have won three straight Pac-12 series, uh, which is an incredible accomplishment for them considering. Uh, that they've already matched their, um, they have seven wins in the Pac-12, and that is the most matches the uh, most wins they've ever had since joining the conference. And you did the sweep in Arizona, first time they've ever swept the Pac-12 series too. I mean, and Arizona's not bad. No, I mean, it was one, I think, I mean, so they beat Arizona State the week before, and or you know, Oregon struggled. You know, Arizona State has struggled, but sweeping Arizona is that's, that's legit. Yeah, I talked to I talked to Coach Johnson uh, after Arizona beat UCLA last weekend, and he said, you know, he talked about how going up to Salt Lake City was not going to be easy. That, that Utah was playing pretty well, and um, you know they were they were in it for a tough one, and they were. So the Pac-12 uh, very topsy turvy right now, and uh, I don't know how many how many bids they're looking at either. I mean, you got Oregon State and you got Cal and. Um, after that, I don't. I mean, you got Washington, maybe. 
Uh, I, mean, I think their RPI is too far gone. I think they're still in the hundreds. Um, if I can get it up here on my screen uh, fast enough, but um, yeah. So you got those. You got those top two. Then yeah, UW is. Uh, let's see where they did win yesterday. So I have to look up where they are now. But they were still in the hundreds. Um, uh, who else? Um, Arizona State's too far gone. Um, yeah, you, well, UW's up to ninety, but that's still a pretty long way to go. Stanford is a good. I mean, Stanford took two out of three from SC this weekend, so I had them in uh, last week. So they'll still be in. That's a team that's probably on the on the right track. Uh, the the LA schools not so much, which I'm, we'll probably talk a little more about here. But yeah, I mean, the, so the fact you've got those top two, you know, Arizona is still probably you know they're even though this weekend is obviously hurts them, you know, it's still like that team. Still, they've still got a pretty solid resume. They won that series at Rice, which is looking pretty good now. Um, Stanford's going to be in the mix. I don't know after that, uh, unless I'm missing someone obvious. Um, I think that's probably probably looking at maybe five or so bids. I guess probably, I think that's where I had them last week. And um, yes, yeah, so that's that's probably where they're. Unless I mean UCLA is obviously kind of the NSC. We'll see. Well, those are the two that are kind of you know it could go either way. It looks like. Yeah, Mike. Both uh, UCLA and USC lost series this weekend. Cal sweeps UCLA without Dalton Jeffries. Jeffries got scratched like 20 minutes before first pitch on Friday night um, with a minor injury, and they, they did not face the Golden Bears at all. Um, and then Southern Cal beat Stanford on Friday night and then lost two games. Um, which one of those teams do you think is most likely to uh, to come out of this and and fight their way back into to contention in the Pac-12. That's tough. It's 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 tough just to predict this conference. You know the teams that we thought that were going to be good. I mean we had we had both USC and, and UCLA ranked fairly high in our in our top twenty-five in the preseason, and, and both teams have you know disappointed so far for the most part. You know I look at those two rosters, and you know I even though UCLA lost a lot from last year, I, I do really like what they have on, on the pitching side of things. And, um, you know, just knowing what Savage has done the last few years and, and guiding this team, I, I feel like I would have to give the nod to UCLA. Um, you know, USC has just really just struggled to, to get it going this year for whatever reason. I mean, they have a veteran team. I know they've, they've dealt with some injury issues, on, on, especially on the pitching side, but they just haven't really had that, that one series where they've been able to, to break out. You know, UCLA, you know, on the other hand, I mean – they, they do, I mean, they had that sweep of Washington State to start Pac-12 play, and we thought, okay, maybe they might be getting going. You know, they won two out of three against Texas, and obviously they had that great showing in, the, in the, the Dodger Stadium Classic where you saw them. So they've had flashes here and there where it's like, okay, you know, maybe, you know, here comes the Bruins, but I don't know. I really don't know. I mean, the only, the only, team, the only teams that have been disappointed so far have been Cal and, and Oregon State. Um, but, you know, even Oregon State now losing Drew Mas- Rasmussen, if I could say his name, um, you know, it's going to be curious to see going forward how they fill that void. UCLA has played much better at home. I will say that um, these last two weekends have both been road series losses, um, and they get to go back home this weekend to play Stanford. But I think they really just need to get Griffin Cannon going. He was phenomenal when I saw him in L.A., uh, against Mississippi State, he went up against Dakota Hudson and beat Dakota Hudson. Uh, but his overall is three and three, four twenty eight, um, and he's given up fifty four hits and forty eight innings. And 
they need they need him to lead the rotation since uh, Grant Dyer hasn't been that great either. He was hurt for a little bit, and uh, he's back pitching now, but um, he hasn't been exceptional. I mean, UCLA, you never think about them as not having enough pitching, but this year it, it just they haven't been able to get the right guys going at the right time. Look at what they've done in midweeks. Yeah, it's been ugly. Yeah, yeah it's been it's been. I mean that. The re- part of the reason why they are under 500 is because they can't win in midweeks. Have they won one yet? I, I think sure. they did finally win one, but, but I mean, it's been, it's been they've given up just a just a you know avalanche of runs every yeah, time. Yeah, I mean, they gave up 14 to Fullerton uh, this week. They gave up 20 to um, to Northridge uh, two weeks ago. No, I guess they still haven't won in a midweek, which is kind of astounding. You know, they'll uh, they'll have another chance this week uh, against Northridge. Um, which is coming off of a, a series loss to Fullerton. And while the Pac-12 has been weird and kind of disappointing, uh, the Big West has been a lot more fun, I feel like. Um, you know, We got Santa Barbara all the way up to 12 this week after they uh, went to Long Beach and, and won a series against the Dirtbags. And Fullerton uh, is playing a little bit better now, maybe. Um, Mike, what did you think of, uh, of of what UCSB was able to, to pull off this weekend at, at Long Beach, winning that winning uh, the series on, on opening weekend of, of uh, Big West play? Yeah, well, I think it was a, a nice early statement for them. Obviously very early because it was the very first weekend of, of Big West play, but you, know, you look at both teams, it was an exciting series, a series that we were all highly anticipating just because both teams had been so hot and you know, we ranked them neck and neck right next to each other last week in our rankings. You know, and obviously that the Gauchos have, have showed that they're you know the hotter team right now and the better team right now going to Long Beach and, and taking that series. And I, I you know I think you point to the pitching of UC Santa Barbara. I was curious to see how they would pitch this year after you know losing Dylan Tate, who was the, the anchor to their staff last year. But but Shane Bieber, I, I've said it all year. I'm a believer in Shane Bieber. <laughs> you know he pitched he pitched really well on Friday night, and then you know. Uh, Noah Davis behind him, you know, the next day during eight innings, one one run. I mean, obviously the Big West, you're going to see more more pitching and defense type teams, and um, I, you know, I think Santa Barbara has the pitching, and then you know enough athleticism in the lineup with guys like like Calica and and McAdoo and, and 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 the like there to to hit their way, you know, to the top there. So I think they're the team to beat. You know, they do have a very interesting series. Uh, this weekend coming up at College of Charleston, it's kind of a strange cross-country trip to see for them. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm hoping to, to catch them there and, and get a close look at them. But, you know, a lot to like from their standpoint. And, you know, Long Beach, you know, hey, it's not like they were blown out. They were in every game. They pitched well in every game. Tanner Brown pitched really well in that Sunday game to, to, to salvage that series and avoid the sweep. So I'm not too down on Long Beach after that, you know, playing, you know, arguably the, the best team in the conference. Yeah, that's Long Beach's uh, first series loss. Um, so that's, uh, you know, they, they've been impressive all year long, and, and they've got Northridge this weekend and, and then Irvine. Um, so the, those are two more good Big West teams that, that, that they've got coming here. But, you know, you, you have to feel pretty good about where the dirtbags are, I think. Um, you know, they've, they've pr- what they've done so far this season has been overall solid, and they aren't gonna. I mean, it's it is a standard West Coast style team where you know they're gonna have to beat you with pitching and defense. So that means they they're gonna lose some close games. That that's just gonna be the way it is because when you play close games, sometimes you lose them. Uh, and the their losses were by a total of 
three runs this weekend. So that was uh, that was a good win for for UCSB, but you know I think Long Beach is is still fine long term. Uh, also starting conference play this weekend was uh, the American. You guys were both at uh, Houston, East Carolina, which was a rematch of last year's tournament championship game. Yeah, that was a pretty uh, testy little series there, especially on Friday. Um, when they had a home a collision home plate where um, I think it was uh, Luke Harmon from ECU, if I remember right, ran over Connor Wong. I'm sure the kind fans of, at Greenville took oh, they, that yeah, very... That was, uh, no, it was no reaction at all. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, those are two teams that, kind of like you're saying, they're kind of, they've seen a lot of each other. Um, so, and, you know, it's going to, you know, if they meet again, if they do meet again down in the tournament, there will probably be some long memories. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that's a good win for the Pirates. They've won some quality series. Uh, they've obviously won at Virginia, which we've talked about. Uh, they win this one. I think they're only, believe, only lost one series, if I remember right, which was the one at Rice, which is uh, formerly a conference rival, not anymore. But, um, yeah, I mean, the Pirates, yeah, that is, that is their only series loss. I mean, they're kind of they are, they're still what, kind of what we thought they are. They don't blow you, they don't wow you with talent, but they're hard nosed. Um, not you know, not not just from running you guys over at home. They're hard nosed in general. Um, maybe that's a kind of a illustration of it. But yeah, I mean, Harmon, they got you know good pitching uh, efforts from Evan Krasinski and you know Joe Ingle at the back, uh, and, and um, you know, it's a, and it's pretty you know pretty solid rotation all around. So I mean, they're going to be they're going to be in it all season. Yeah, this was this is really my second close look at them this year, and you know, like Jim said, they don't they aren't prospect heavy. They don't have the guys that really jump out tools wise. Although Bryce Harmon is a he's a big boy, six foot six, uh, two hundred thirty pounds, and you know when he's barreling into you at home plate, you know I I'd, I'd probably run away if I was <laughs> not if a I good was, matchup if for I was there. Long. Yeah, yeah. Is there a vine of that? Can I watch that? It's I did not get a vine of that, unfortunately. I got vines of lots of other things that weekend, but uh, but not that, but. Yeah, you know, uh, the thing about this ECU team is they do have a gritty approach. You know, I kind of liked just the, it seemed tension was high between the two teams this weekend. It was kind of nice to see, you know, that classic American uh, rivalry, you know, between those two teams. But no, um, you know, I was impressed. I mean, Evan Krasinski, he's, he's not going to blow it by you. He's going to top out around 88, 89. But he really has good feel for his off-speed stuff. You know, a very, very strong college left-hander, you know, that you'd like to throw for you on, on Friday nights. And I was really impressed by, uh, by Jimmy Boyd on Saturday, you know, who, who nearly, nearly threw a, you know, a complete game shutout against Houston, if not for uh, an error with two outs and a lot of run to score. But, you know, he's a guy who's 86 to 88, but, you know, really good feel for, for his off-speed stuff and was locating the ball in the corners, you know. And I, I thought more than anything it was impressive that the ECU offense was able to actually beat both Andrew Landtrip and Seth Romero. You know, that's not something that a lot of teams have done this year. And it's not, it's not like Landtrip and Romero were bad. They weren't bad. It's just that ECU took advantage of some of the opportunities that they had. And on the other side, Houston was unable to do that. You know, I know Coach Todd Whitting was, was upset that his offense was, was unable to cash in on the opportunities that they had. But I still like this Houston team a lot just because they do have Landrip and Romero, and I think they do have enough offensively uh, to be in every game. And, you know, I think they're still the team to beat in the American. Yeah, the, the American uh, is an interesting conference. Um, we've liked Tulane at, at various times this year. Um, we like South Florida a little bit coming into the year. Uh, that's a very young team in South Florida, and, and um, you know it showed at times. But you know, they've had a lot of a lot of success this year. And UConn with with Anthony K is obviously tough to beat on Fridays. As mm-hmm. Tulane found out, 
uh, up in stores this weekend. Uh, and then Cincinnati is uh, playing very well of late. Um, they started the year slowly, uh, but they've now they beat South Florida in a series this weekend, and they're twelve and one at home. And the competition has not been exceptional, but it's going to be tough apparently to go into Cincinnati and win this yeah. year. Um, you know that was a, a, an incredibly young team a year ago outside of Ian Happ. So those guys are a lot more experienced, and you know they've showed well throughout the year. I mean, they started it off at LSU and. Uh, almost beat LSU on Friday night, op- opening night in the box. Um, and, you know, they, they've continued it throughout the year. And, and it seems like, you know, they've got it rolling now a little bit. And, and I'm going to be very interested to see how that team uh, carries on throughout the year. Yeah, I had a, I had a chat actually with um, a, a player on Houston. And we were talking a little bit about the conference. And he was saying, you know, some people tend to write off Cincinnati, but he's, you know, he's not taking them lightly. You know, he's, he's certainly. Uh, you know, not going to take them lightly when they when they head to Cincinnati and, and, and play them. But um, yeah, I mean, the, the conference it's a it's a it's a small conference, but there's a lot of competition and it's a it's a really strong group. Number three in RPI last year overall, so it's a lot of fun baseball. I especially like that they can play. You know, everyone can play each other. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I like the big conferences. That's fun, but. You know, in, in terms of just like the pure competition, everyone plays each other every year. So you can get some of these, you know, some of these rivalries, even though it's a newer conference. A lot of these teams were in Conference USA together or the Big East or, you know, wherever they came from. Uh, you know, so they're, they're used to playing each other and, and they play every year. So you, you can get some of this going in the American. I sound like uh, Vince uh, going on about yeah, how great like the American is. on Skype on this right on this board. <laughs> Yeah, so those were those were kind of the big uh, big storylines from the weekend. Do you guys have uh, have anything else that that stood out from uh, from the weekend that was? I mean, it'll be it'll be interesting to see uh, how you know how this uh, Mississippi State Florida series goes. I mean, that's kind of one we're all going to be looking forward to. That's two very good pitching staffs uh, facing off. So that's you know that's a, a really big test for the Bulldogs. I and mean, we saw them win at Vanderbilt. So. If they if they win that series, if they can come, somehow come out of there with a win. I think they'd definitely be a, you know, a, you know definitely on track to you know secure a national seed. There be a, a third one out of the SEC. Yeah, I, I really want to see how you know the, the soft underbelly of the ACC and the Pac-12 respond. You know this this week and, and the upcoming weeks. You know because it's still you know as you could probably tell by our our hesitance and in, in answering some of these questions about these conferences i mean it's so hard to get a read of these teams because they're not the teams that we thought they would be you know coming into the season and you know it you know i really don't know i really don't know what to expect out of out of clemson going forward and virginia going forward and you know in the pac 12 i really don't know you know what UCLA is going to be in the next few weeks or if usc is going to be able to get back into a groove i mean they're 12 and 14 right now so um that's kind of what I'm keeping an eye on going forward is to see how these teams respond and to see if there's a clearer picture forming of these conferences going forward. I'm, uh, I'm a little intrigued by some mid-major action. Um, you know, we, we obviously spent most of this time talking about the, the power conferences, uh, but you, know, you got St. Louis, uh, four-time defending regular season champion in the A-10. They're off to a 6-0 and start. Uh, which they had not done in any of the four previous years, um, you know. So that's uh, that's big after the they opened the year zero and eight. So they've uh, they've really turned it around and 
and, and are playing well. And, and you can read more about St. Louis uh, over at BaseballAmerica.com and off the bat this week. Uh, and then this weekend, we got in the West Coast Conference, we got BYU and San Diego. And we had thought San Diego, or we had, San Diego is the, the preseason favorite. They have not lived up to that. They're 16 and 14 overall. They're not quite hitting on all cylinders. They're four and five in the conference. And BYU has been the team that, that's really taken a hold there. They're 20 and three and three overall. They're seven and two in the conference. And now San Diego has to go out to Provo to play the Cougars. Um, and Provo has been an incredibly welcoming or a, you know, a very good place for, for the Cougars this year. They're 10 and two at home. So San Diego really has to, they have to turn it on this weekend. I mean, that's a one bid league. Basically, right, Jim? Most likely. And, you know, so San Diego is looking to, to get into the tournament for the first time in a few years, and it looked like this team maybe could do it. Um, you know, this weekend is huge for them. And BYU, meanwhile, I mean, they, it's a solid resume, but, you know, the, we don't have them ranked quite yet. Um, I don't know, you know, people are probably going to ask in the chat this afternoon what BYU has to do to get ranked. I don't have so, a good answer for San that. Diego, that might do but it. But yes, keep, win, this, win this weekend. And, and that the thing with that conference is if, unless they've changed it, only the top four even make the conference tournament. Right, it is. San a, Diego is currently outside. Yes. So, you gotta, they, they, you know, like you're saying, they got to turn it on. Yeah, and uh, I mean, the Cougars are they're very intriguing, and uh, you know, so it'll... It'll be a big series for, for both of them, I think. Well, I believe that is it for uh, this edition of the Baseball America College Podcast. We'll be back uh, next week. We want to thank SeatGeek for sponsoring this podcast and all Baseball America podcasts. And I want to thank Jim and Mike for joining me here uh, this week. And uh, you know, like we, like we mentioned, it's another exciting week of, of college baseball to look forward to. And uh, we'll be back here next week to, uh, to talk about it again. So thank you for listening. This concludes our program. Visit BaseballAmerica.com for more podcasts. Today's Baseball America podcast was sponsored by SeatGeek. Baseball America podcast listeners get a $20 rebate off their first SeatGeek purchase. Download the free SeatGeek app and enter promo code BA20.